For Monday, November 22nd, it's the early word from the WNYC Newsroom. Hi there, I'm Isaac Davey Aronson with a look at this morning's top news the day ahead and reporting highlights from the WNYC News team. Coming up, just when you thought they couldn't come up with a more expensive cup of coffee, Charlie Herman looks into our possible future of high-priced Joe. We start with this morning's top headlines just ahead. The Early Word is a production of WNYC Radio. You can support this podcast by making a donation at WNYC.org, where you can also get the latest updates on this morning's headlines on the news page. From the WNYC Newsroom, I'm Lance Lucky. Top U.S. military officials are warning that a new uranium enrichment facility in North Korea could speed up its ability to make and deliver viable nuclear weapons. The warnings come as U.S. Special Envoy for North Korea Stephen Bosworth says the North's claim is provocative and disappointing, but not a surprise. Meanwhile, a 13-year-old American boy campaigning to turn the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea into a peace park has been taken away by Chinese police after staging a brief protest near Tiananmen Square. Jonathan Lee unfurled a sign saying Peace Treaty and Nuclear Free DMZ Children's Peace Forest as he stood outside the Forbidden City. A Moscow-bound flight carrying 193 passengers and 11 crew members returned safely to JFK Airport after an engine failed Sunday evening. No one was injured. Delta Flight 30 reported one engine had failed shortly after takeoff about 4.40 yesterday afternoon, according to an FAA spokeswoman. Laura Brown said she could not confirm reports that a plane struck a bird before the engine failed. She said that probably won't be known until the engine is examined during an investigation. The Boeing 767 dumped most of its fuel before returning to JFK, where more than 100 firefighters and other emergency crews had responded to await its arrival. Supporters of Congressman Charles Rangel gathered Sunday in his Harlem district in a bid to salvage his reputation. The group of elected officials and church leaders said they would petition members of the House to reject the recommendation that Rangel be censured. Former Mayor David Dinkins said Rangel has suffered enough from the unwanted attention. There's nothing to be gained by seeking to further humiliate this great man. So it's my hope that those of us here gathered and others, that we'll make phone calls to members of the House and persuade them to our point of view. But not all Harlem residents came to Rangel's defense. Jennifer Domice said he had taken advantage of his position and deserved to be censured. He made a public buffoon of himself by standing up in front of the house and saying, you know, save me. It was embarrassing for Harlemites, for myself as a black woman and, you know, uh, an expat living in New York. It's it's embarrassing. A House subcommittee found Rangel guilty of 11 counts of ethics violations, including failure to pay taxes on a house he owned in the Dominican Republic and improperly soliciting funds for a college facility named after him. The full House is expected to vote on whether to censure Rangel after the Thanksgiving break. Newark, New Jersey Mayor Cory Booker has delayed the layoffs of 167 city police officers that were scheduled for today so members of the police union can review newly brokered give-back proposals. WNYC's Brian Zumhagen has more. Over the weekend, Mayor Booker called on the Fraternal Order of Police to send the plan directly to its members for a vote. Union leaders agreed, and now Booker says the city will delay any layoffs until November 30th so the rank and file can review the offer. A vote could come as early as tomorrow. The one-year proposal seeks to eliminate officers' uniform allowance, stress pay, and reduce overtime, replacing it with compensatory time. Officials say that'd save about $9.5 million, which would prevent the layoffs and help close the municipal budget gap for 2011. For WNYC, I'm Brian Zimhagen. 
New Jersey lawmakers are set to consider legislation today that would restore most state funding for family planning services. WNYC's Mark Garber tells us it's the latest attempt by Assembly Democrats to get back at least some of the $7.5 million that Republican Governor Chris Christie cut from this year's budget. Now, that money that was cut would have funded about 58 women's health clinics. They provide services ranging from breast exams to cancer, HIV, STD screenings to family planning. And literally hundreds of thousands of patients statewide use those clinics. The centers rely on the state for about 25 percent of their budgets. Some have closed or reduced operating hours since their funding was cut. Starting today, cameras will be watching out for the special bus lanes on 1st and 2nd Avenues in Manhattan. You'll now get a $115 ticket if the camera catches you driving in those bus lanes. WNYC's Alex Goldmark has more. There are five cameras on 1st and 2nd Avenues. More will go up in the months to come. The Department of Transportation will also add bus lane cameras on Fordham Road in the Bronx and on 34th Street. Drivers and cabbies will still be allowed to enter a bus lane, but only to make the next available right turn or to expeditiously drop off or pick up passengers. The new cameras are part of an overall plan to have so-called select bus service in New York. In addition to the terracotta lanes, passengers pay their fares before boarding and red lights change to green if a bus is approaching. The new payment method has caused some rider confusion, but officials say buses are running more quickly now. For WNYC, I'm Alex Goldmark. Norris Church Mailer, the sixth and final wife of Pulitzer Prize-winning author Norman Mailer, has died. In an announcement on the website of the Norman Mailer Society, she died Sunday at her Brooklyn home after a long and valiant struggle with cancer. An actress, model, painter, and author, Norris Mailer's memoir, A Ticket to the Circus, was published this year. She was 61. And finally, former First Lady Barbara Bush doesn't appear to think much of Sarah Palin's White House aspirations, saying the former Alaska governor should stay in Alaska. In an interview with CNN's Larry King scheduled for broadcast today, Mrs. Bush says she sat next to Palin once and, quote, thought she was beautiful. And then Mrs. Bush offered Palin the free political advice. Taking a look at the calendar this Monday, there's not much on it as Thanksgiving week begins. First Lady Michelle Obama is in Miami, joined by leaders from the fruit and vegetable industry and school and public health officials who will announce a major commitment to support the use of salad bars in schools across the country. It's part of her Let's Move initiative to reduce childhood obesity. Mrs. Obama will highlight the role schools and community partnerships can play in improving school nutrition. And Congressman Anthony Weiner and City Councilwoman Elizabeth Crowley will be in Queens this morning to call for overhead power lines to be relocated underground. In the wake of severe weather this year that left Queens residents particularly vulnerable to power outages. Just a couple of things happening this Monday. Isaac Davy Aronson back with you here on The Early Word. And if you're like me, your day is starting with a cup of coffee. More than half of American adults drink coffee on a daily basis. I can't believe it's not more than that. This routine, however, could start to cost you more. Prices for green coffee, the unroasted beans, have soared more than 50% over the last year. WNYC's business editor Charlie Herman reports. There was a time in New York City when coffee was a much simpler affair. People got their morning fix at corner delis in those familiar blue and white cups with the message, we are happy to serve you. Now, 
Uh, can I get an El Salvador, please? Small. You can order coffee from specific countries. Here at Cafe Grumpy, a specialty coffee bar in Chelsea, they serve high-quality coffee at prices ranging from $2 to $8. Carolyn Bell is the co-owner. I don't think they're afraid to spend money if they know that they're getting something that's worthwhile or good or sustainable or something they could feel good about buying. You might think, at these prices, the coffee business is a lucrative one. But with labor costs and high rents and now prices for raw beans at 13-year highs, profits can be slim. Coffee will scorch if it's roasted standing still. Donald Schoenholt knows this. He owns Gillies Coffee Company, a specialty wholesale roaster in Brooklyn founded in 1840. We're now standing in the room where we store our green coffee. The beans are piled high in burlap sacks stamped with names of faraway locations like Guatemala, Indonesia, this day, Schoenhold is roasting beans from Honduras, 600 pounds at a time. It's kind of like making a toasted marshmallow over a campfire. It takes a few minutes to get that marshmallow to turn from white to tan. And then if you blink, it catches fire and falls into the fire. With nearly 50 years in the business, Schoenhold has seen prices rise and fall before. But now there's a fundamental shift in the market. Brazil, the world's largest coffee grower, is expected to soon consume more coffee than the United States. And then there are new coffee drinkers in India and China. Those nations' expanding economies have already pushed up prices for raw materials like cotton and corn. Now it's coffee. As China becomes more and more middle class, they want to emulate European and American ways, and that means drinking coffee. More coffee drinkers puts pressure on prices at a time when coffee supplies, especially of higher-grade Arabica beans, are shrinking. In Colombia, Costa Rica, Guatemala, and several other coffee-producing nations, there have been smaller crops coming out of these countries. Bad weather is one reason. But even when you look back over the last several years, overall coffee production hasn't increased that much. And simply planting more coffee trees won't lower prices today because it can take up to five years before they start producing beans. The soaring prices of coffee have also attracted the attention of investors and speculators betting on higher prices. Schoenholt tracks prices at the ICE, the Intercontinental Exchange, where coffee futures are bought and sold. There is so much money now in coffee that I have to look at it and believe that this is not coffee roasters that are pushing the price up because of their customers' needs, but rather money coming in from money funds that is jigging the price up and down. Already, major brands like Maxwell House and Folgers have increased prices. Starbucks says it will charge more for certain coffee drinks. Schoenholt expects he will have to raise his prices. So too does Carolyn Bell at Cafe Grumpy. Over the five years, I think maybe we've increased prices twice, so 10 cents, 20 cents. Schoenholt doesn't believe that higher prices will lead coffee drinkers to abandon their daily habit. I never worry about consumers uh, giving up on coffee. I think it is so ingrained in the American lifestyle that they will always reach for a cuppa. Increasingly, so do people in India and Korea and China, which means that Americans should expect to pay more for their cup of joe. For WNYC, I'm Charlie Herman. Amy Mann is probably best known for her pitch-perfect soundtrack to the 1999 film Magnolia. Since then, she's released four albums of songs, including this one, Freeway, in 2008. The track's alt-country sound, complete with analog synthesizers, is a shift in tone from her earlier work.
Amy Mann performs tonight at the Music Hall of Williamsburg. You can download this track and more from artists playing tonight for free on our culture page. Just click on culture at WNYC.org. Have a comment, a question, a suggestion on how we could do better here at The Early Word? We'd love to hear from you. Go to WNYC.org to send us an email or to leave us a comment on the podcast page. You can also hear us there 24 hours a day as well as on the air at 93.9 FM and AM 820. From the WNYC Newsroom, I'm Isaac Davey Aronson. Have a great Monday.